We have our Bible reading for this evening. It's found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 to 21. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man says he loved God and hath hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So <clears throat> there is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. That's the word of God. <laughs> And that's a promise of God that we have. <clears throat> the command, it is a command, to fear not or do not be afraid, do not fear, is recorded in 26 books of the Bible and on 95, at least 95 different occasions. Now, these are powerful words. This is a powerful command. Words of encouragement for everyone. If you don't understand what's going on these days, it's through fear that governments are getting so much control and power over the people. And that is concerning. And uh, have you been out and uh, in the early stages of this pandemic and thought, am I going to catch it? Afraid to walk near people? And that's the fear that's been put in you by somebody else. Now, we've caught the flu from other people. We've had the AIDS problem decades ago. And people become somewhat paranoid in that time as well. <clears throat> but um, there's ever-changing rules that the government are requiring the public to know about. Anarchists cause fear in, well, am I breaking the rules? I don't even know the rules. I have to keep looking and checking them up daily. There is an old thing saying that I heard when I was a teenager that if somebody creates a problem and they give the solution to the problem and solve the problem, they get the power. They get the power over the people. And... It could well be happening today, particularly in one state government or two in our country that are exercising power for no reason and want more power when there's the thing's over, as it were. And if they can create another problem, get the power. And that's concerning because liberties are taken away when these things happen. And some of us who have been around for a while know the liberties we used to have in our country. One Canadian pastor said to me this week, what's going on in Australia? What's going on with that government down south? I thought Australians would stand up and say that enough is enough. And um, that's what he said from Canada. Now, if we think it's bad today through the problems we have, listen to what's going to happen in the near future. And what we have today may, may be a lead into this. Luke chapter 21, 25. And there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. 
the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and looking for after those things which are to come on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And so men's hearts will fail them for fear. Today, some are in that category. And some totally agree that the government take all control and lock me up, lock me down, lock me in, and whatever else, lock away. But the liberties have gone, and and who knows what they might do with spiritual liberties that we presently have. Well, listen to what the Bible says. In Isaiah 41 verse 10, the Lord said to Isaiah, Fear not, I am with thee. In Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, the fear of man bringeth a snare. It will stop us doing and saying things that we ought to do and say. Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord, well, that's the beginning of wisdom. And that's what we need. <clears throat> you know, we can... We fear God who has the power and keys of death and hell, as Revelation tells us. But man certainly hasn't got that power. The fear of the Lord in Psalm 19, verse 9, is clean, enduring forever. And our passage from First John that we read just a moment ago. <laughs> there is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out the fear. In Psalm 27, verse 1, this is just a few of the hundreds of verses that speak of this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So let's not fear. Why should we not be afraid? Why should we not fear? As these verses that we've previously read said. Because God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. In Genesis chapter 15, we have verses 1 down to verse 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. Remember that In the previous chapter, Lot had been taken by some invading kings out of Sodom and and the citizens of Sodom were taken and the goods were taken and the wives and the children were taken. And so Abraham had to go on a rescue mission and he rescued Lot, his nephew. Then in 15, chapter 15, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, Fear not. Not Abraham, I, uh, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. We have the promises of God. And as you read down into chapter 15, God made some promises to Abraham here. In verse 4, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. That is the one from Eliezer of Damascus. <laughs> But 
This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. You see, Abraham was growing old. Abraham was fighting for Lot. Abraham was thinking, well, where's the promises of God being fulfilled? Back in chapter 12, these promises were given that he'd have the heir, be heir to people as the sand of the sea and stars of the heaven. God is faithful. He will keep his promises. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward uh, the heavens and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he, God counted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. This is what's spoken of over in the book of Romans (coughs) there that it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed the promises of God. Now, in this day of fear, in this day when things seem to be going haywire, then we need to trust in the promises of God. (laughs) He will never leave us nor forsake us, will he? He's always with us. And so, as it says in Romans 4, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. What promises are we staggering at today through the fear of man and the fear of circumstances. You know, staggering is like somebody at the end of a marathon race. They're just getting over the line, staggering. And we can be like that in these last days. We can grow weary in well-doing and we should not faint, but we might grow weary. But keep on keeping on, trusting the promises of God. We might have the fear or stagger it and fail in some areas. First Corinthians nine twenty seven reads Lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We might fear failure. And Paul said that. He said I fear lest at some time I might just give it all up and go live a life to fulfill my own selfish desires and I should become a castaway because he had seen many that had said they trusted in the Lord and they were out back into their old life doing their own thing in Luke six sixty seven, then Jesus said to his followers will ye also go away the fear of being fickle You know, we're just in the flesh and the Lord knows our frame that we're just made of dust. He knoweth our frame and he will not send that or allow that to come, which is above that, which you are able to bear according to the scriptures. So we might fear failure. We stagger at failure. We stagger with fickleness. We might stagger with false doctrine. Now there's Demas too. Remember Demas? Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He failed and he was fickle in his faith and he he took off and loved the present world. John Mark took off because things got tough, but he came back. And if you've taken off and are out there and feel like a failure, you can come back. The Lord can give you that opportunity again. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 16, Paul said this, no man stood with me. That's amazing that Paul and all the thousands and thousands of people and the, the many churches that he'd started was saying these words, no man stood with me. 
Where are the people? Where's my backup? And we might fear those that go off in false doctrine and fail and and go away from us as a, as a pastor and preacher over the years. That's uh, been a concern. And sometimes it becomes so much of a concern for pastors that they'll compromise their doctrine so that they might um, <clears throat> keep the people because they're afraid of the faces of men and they're afraid that their ministry will fail. Hey, what about Jeremiah? How did he feel, pastor? <laughs> well, he, he felt like that, didn't he? He was the weeping prophet. The, the angel was sent around Jerusalem to find somebody that was stable following the Lord and he couldn't find them. God keeps his promises. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 and following. There the lilies of the valley are talked about and the birds of the air are talked about. Uh, <clears throat> and he, he says, My God shall supply all your needs there according to his riches in glory. If God meets their needs, his promise is that he'll meet your needs. That's in the Matthew 6.25. He will provide for us. Don't fear. Keep holding the promises of God. Um, <clears throat> security. What about security? The promises of God are, and no man shall pluck you out of my hand or my father's hand. No man. There's a promise of God, and hey, the word of God is full of the promises. God keeps his promises. You know, he made a promise to Abraham, as we mentioned before, chapter 12, chapter 15, chapter 17, it was reiterated to Abraham. Abraham had one son, yet he was, God told him his, his, his family would grow to be like the stars of the heaven. And that they possess the land from Euphrates to Egypt. You know what? It hasn't happened. That promise of the land hasn't happened yet. God will keep his promise. <laughs> he will keep his promise. And we uh, cheer Israel on for that purpose. Because Israel will have those promises of God fulfilled for them by God. Um, <clears throat> the promise of salvation. John 1.12 but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus with your whole heart and you have faith in him and what he has done, he, is, he will keep the promises as you have received him. He's given you power to become his son. Well, the promise also that we as Christians look forward to and so much more as we see the day approaching is that of his coming. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. He will keep the good work going in you. Through the circumstances of life, he will help us to grow. He will help us to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ from glory to glory. He, he, he's making his bride to be a holy bride. Ephesians chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 and following. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The just shall live by faith. Don't fear the things that are happening. Look forward to the future and keep hold of the promises of God. In First John 3, 2, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Great promise will be changed from this mortal be to being an immortal, as First Corinthians 15 tells us. 
So, and every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Second Peter 3.13 Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which dwelleth righteousness. This is not our final home. This environment, this situation, these things that we face today is not the final thing. There's greater things, wonderful things coming. And we spoke some of them in the morning service today. So God keeps his promises. This is why we shouldn't be afraid. He's the God who is in control of all things. Read Romans 8. (laughs) Read Romans 8. And particularly from about the middle to the end of the chapter of Romans 8. And there's some wonderful promises given there. Well... A second reason why we shouldn't be afraid is because God knows our pain. God knows our pain. In Genesis 21 and verse 15, we read this. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast her child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot, for she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of the Lord called unto Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes and saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad to drink. God knew the pain of Hagar. Now, this wasn't Hagar's doing. Sarah had suggested Abraham go into Hagar, his servant, because you haven't got a child by me. And then the child grew and Sarah didn't like it and said, kick him out. He's causing trouble with Isaac. Kick him out. Kick her out too. They shouldn't be here together. She's mocking my son. And Abraham put Hagar and her son out, cast him out, and he was. she said, well, I'm going to die. You know, when we get foggy eyes from the pain that happens to us like Hagar did we can't see what's around us we can't get a balance in life Hagar didn't see the well I'm sure it was there all the time but you couldn't see the well of water now it's in a desert and they needed water to survive <clears throat> so Hagar and Ishmael there and, and you wonder if Ishmael isn't an angry and his descendants aren't angry people because of how they got started here <laughs> the hard start they had but God knows our pain and he's able to meet our needs and he's able to open our eyes and we can see really what's going on you know with all the things that are going on today to me it's exciting it's just well God said these things would come to pass and there'll be all sorts of troubles bring it on because it just hastens the coming and the day of the Lord in which men will fight against God and shake their fist in his face, and God will not have them (coughs) or allow them to continue. So (coughs) there we see Hagar. God knows our pain. He knew her pain. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, this is David saying this, 
Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. The morning when the day breaks and we see through the daylight that comes the real situation and how it really is, we trust in the Lord and the pain is not there. Weeping does come. You know, we will have trials and tribulations in this life. In First Samuel chapter 1, we have there the story of Hannah. She was provoked and fretting by the other wife. <laughs> and she, she hadn't had a child. And she was very upset in verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore. That's the other, <clears throat> the other wife. To make her fret because the Lord has shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year... When she went up to the house of the Lord, so he provoked her there, for she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better than thee, to thee than ten sons? She, uh, husbands sometimes just don't get it. <laughs> we just don't get it, do we? And she, she was... Very upset, she would love a son, and 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 a Jew, a Jewish lady who didn't have a, a, a son and heir, felt like a failure, and she was feeling like a failure, and she was suffering inward pain. And Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and and wept sore. You know the tears were fogging her vision. Her vision that God will keep his promises. And she wept bitterly there. She was fretting, it says. Her enemy was provoking her. And the devil likes to put the boots in, dig the goads, put the goads on on us. <clears throat> and we fret and he provokes us and he says, Serving God, you know, what are you rewarded for doing that? You know, get out and enjoy and, and you know, kick up your heels. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow. We may die and we might weep bitterly for the things we don't seem to have. Keep trusting the promises of God. <laughs> and uh, we know that had a, had a son and uh, the son became a great prophet <clears throat> and ministered to the Lord and to the people of the Lord. Matthew 26 verse 75 there. God knows our pain and this is why we shouldn't fear. And there Peter went out and he wept bitterly when he had denied the Lord. He went out and wept bitterly when the Lord looked at him after he'd uh, <clears throat> said to the little maid, you know, I know not the man, and started swearing and cursing. And he went out and wept bitterly. He was in pain. And this pain was carried by Peter, I believe, until the record of John, the last chapter of the Gospel of John, where the Lord came to them who was on the shore and cooking a fish and they'd caught no fish and then the Lord particularly spoke to Peter <clears throat> and he righted Peter again and that pain was there in his heart he could hardly look at the Lord when he saw the Lord you know I denied you I denied you you said I would and I said I wouldn't and I did and the pain of doing that to the Lord was hard and and even as you read that chapter in the last last chapter of John You'll see the pain of Peter and uh, 
You know, the Lord three times spoke to him, you know, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Well, <clears throat> and we have other examples, but we haven't got time to look at them all. There's, there's Elijah. Elijah, after he killed 400 prophets of Baal, was under the juniper tree sulking. He's, <laughs> he said, I, you know, I've done all this for you, Lord, and, and, and what's the reward here? There's nothing happening. <laughs> you know, Jezebel got on his case and he, he fled. He was fearful of 400 prophets of Baal. But he was fearful of the woman Jezebel. He must have been a real wicked woman. Uh, the, the Bible says she was. And the Bible likens her in the New Testament to bad and false religious systems, a system of Jezebel. But he, Elijah was there under the tree and the Lord had to meet his needs with food and drink and encourage him because of the pain he was going through. In fact, you know, he, the Lord had to say to him, listen, I've got 7,000 men that haven't bowed the knee. You're not the only one. And God, from this point, turned over the ministry of Elijah to Elijah. And you read the account there in First Samuel 26. So he, he was distressed. He was discontent in chapter 22 and verse 2. He was hated and hunted in chapter 24 and verse 2. And in verse 20, chapter 26, verse 20, there's different occasions. Sorry, in Kings, in Kings are references. Are. Chapter 19, verse 2 to 8, I was thinking of David. But David also had pain, but Elijah had pain and God needed to meet those needs that he wouldn't have that pain. <clears throat> Let's go to the third of why we shouldn't fear. Because God knows our problems. He doesn't only know uh, keep his promises. He doesn't only know our pain, but he knows our problems. In Genesis chapter 26 there, <clears throat> in Genesis 26, Isaac was redigging the wells that Abraham, his father, had dug. And the, the, the Philistines had plugged up. And we read there in Genesis 26 and verse 18, And Isaac did gain the wells of water which had, they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And they were, great, we know we've dug up this well, we've released the water. The, the Philistines had stopped up you know, Fancy doing that in the desert country that they lived. The Philistines were evil people, just like the world, and they tried to stop our ministry. They tried to stop and hinder us from taking the pure word of God to the people. You know, when we put tracks out, there is a response. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's a bad response. And they hate the word of God, and they try to plug our mouths and stop us from speaking the word of God to the people. And maybe one in a hundred thousand will try to stop and hinder us and be used of the devil to try to hinder us from putting the truth of God's word out in Israel. And there's the religious people that try to stop the word of God. They try to plug up the spring, just like the Philistines did in old times. Yet they say they're religious. Yet they say they're spiritual. Well, Isaac went through this. Isaac's servants dig the well. And the herdsmen of Gira did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. Hey, listen, you guys, you plugged it up. I unplugged it. My father dug it. And now you're saying it's our water? 
And he called the name of the well Esker because they strove with him. Quarrelsome is the word Esek that it means. And they digged another well. I'll move on, said Isaac, another well. They strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And that means hatred. And he removed from there and digged another well. You know, if we keep trying to share the good word of God, (laughs) problems will come. All that live godly in this world shall suffer persecution. Don't be surprised that the devil throws all his darts and hurls all this wickedness and, and stuff at you because you're doing the right thing. And, and they digged another well there and it's called a sitna, hatred. And they came and strove with Isaac for that well that his father had dug. They had plugged up the Philistines and then... He had undug, unplugged it, and let the water flow freely, and they strove with him. Don't be surprised. You know, the Christians that have it the easiest are the Christians that do nothing. They won't be rewarded in heaven, but they have it easy down here. They sit in their lounge chair. They let others take the responsibility. They let others do the ministry and the service of God instead of they themselves putting the hand to the plough. You put the hand to the plough, you can expect troubles to come because the devil does not want you and I as Christians to do God's will. He wants to silence us. He wants to plug up the well. He wants to stop the water flowing. Ah, God knows our problems. Don't be fearful of the faces and the threats and taunts of men. Uh, <clears throat> so <coughs> we went. We read on in that portion in Genesis 26. And <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and he removed from there in verse 22 and digged another well for they, that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. <coughs> and he said. For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And this word means ample room. (laughs) He finally dug a well. One day we'll be in heaven. The final well will be dug. We'll be in the presence of the water of life, the Lord Jesus. And there's ample room. Keep digging the wells. Keep supplying the water. Don't worry about the problems that will come. As it says in Job 5.7, man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. In John 16.33, Jesus said, In the world ye shall have, ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He has been seated there at the right hand of the Father for 2,000 years almost. In a few years' time, that'll be 2,000 years as he's been seated there. He's overcome. Folks... We will overcome. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid of what's going on. It's all leading to a point. It's all leading to the Lord, for the Lord to take control. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about the problems. I know you say it's easy to say. You say, oh, you're a pastor. You're a cloistered. No, 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 no. There's plenty of problems. You stick your head out and then they'll try to chop it off. 2 Timothy 3.12. And that's not only unsaved people either. That's so-called, you know, ditto Christians. 2 Timothy 3.12. Yea, 
And all that will live godlish in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, as we've already mentioned. And we could go to the examples of Paul, 1 Corinthians 4, 9 to 14. He related his experiences once he became a Christian. Now, before becoming Christian, he had power, he had authority, he was able to condemn Christians to death. He had people backing him. When he became a Christian and the enemy of Satan himself, then Satan hurled constant things at him. You know, was it to Ananias the Lord said, Paul, Saul at that time is a chosen vessel. Go and anoint his eyes that he may see. And he was a chosen vessel, all right, to bear the gospel of the grace of God to the Gentile world. And to the Jew, he failed not to keep going to them. In 2 Corinthians 6, 4 to 10. In 2 Corinthians 11, 22 to 30. We, actually, we've, I think we, we did. I preached a sermon on that earlier this year about all of Paul's experiences, of all the troubles and tribulations he had. And folks, he could do miracles, yet he couldn't heal him, himself as he besought the Lord three times, was it? To take this ailment away that he might better serve the Lord. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. With the problems that we have, God can use them for his glory. God knows the problems. He knows all things. You know, in, in Romans eight twenty eight, is it there? You know, he, he knows these things that befall us and he will be with us. The fourth and final word of encouragement here and why we should not be afraid is because God senses our paranoia. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19, last chapter of Genesis and verse 19, we read this. And Joseph said unto them, his brothers, Fear not, I am for I am in, am I in the place of God? Fear not, for am I in the place of God, said Joseph? <clears throat> but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it, un, it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones, and comfort them. And he spoke kindly unto them. <clears throat> so here these brothers thought, Dad's, Jacob has died, he's dead. Now Joseph's going to get even for us, for throwing him into that pit, threatening to kill him, and then selling him as a slave. And he's had to put up for all these years, you know, pot of his house, the jail, and all these things. <clears throat> now he's going to get even. And he said, Joseph said, am I in the place of God? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> And I'm not going to do that. He said, fear not, I will nourish you, I will feed you. What a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But these brothers of Joseph had a big dose of paranoia. They thought up all the things that he could do to them. <laughs> you know, when they came down to start with to get food from Egypt, Remember Joseph hiding this in the sack and that in the sack and they opened it up. Ah, no, they said. <laughs> they were concerned. They were worried. 
And they thought, well, if he played tricks on us then, he might come with the real rod now that Dad has passed away. We can get paranoid about things. And we can, we can build ourselves up into a frenzy in our own minds and hearts about things that are going on. You know, you say, oh, that's all right for you, you're a pastor. But it happens to pastors too. We're just flesh and blood. We're just made from the dust as well. We have things that bother us, more things than people would care to know about. How often do we worry about what could be and we lay awake with restless nights and the next day or week it never comes to pass like we were paranoid it would come to pass. It doesn't happen hasn't happened and usually the things that come that uh, concern us come on us suddenly and we're well we didn't think of we didn't see that one coming but the things we become paranoid about don't come to pass job 7 verse 4 listen to what job said now he was an old man and he had a lot of experience he was a good man he was a righteous man. He, he helped other people. He ministered to the down and outers and gave them jobs. <clears throat> In Job 7, 4, When I lie down, I say, When shall I arise and the night be gone? And I am full of tossings to and fro. Now, yes, he had reason. He had, he had lost his family, except for his wife. He would lost all his kids. He would lost his possessions. And he tossed to and fro. He had reason, but they come upon him suddenly. Uh, <clears throat> and the thing that he feared did come upon him. In Job 3.25, For the thing which I greatly feared. See, <laughs> Job was worried about these things before them happening. Is come upon me, he said. That which I was afraid of has come unto me. He had it all going. It all seemed to be going so well. Family, friends, families. They all got married. They had kids. They had farms. They had property. And that which I feared. It was all taken away in a stroke. You know, the devil would do it. But God only allows him to do what he allows him to do. In Psalm 127, verse 2, it is, a vain, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, these are things the preachers need to take notice of. It's vain to sit up and worry about, about it and uh, get in a tither about it all and get your mind racing and all these avenues and rabbit trails you know, one thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing, and, and this will happen, that will happen, and it no, doesn't happen. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 28, verse 67. In the morning thou shalt say, if you're living in that frame of mind and are paranoid about what could happen and doesn't, if you're living in that frame of mind, in the morning thou shalt say, would to God it were evening. You want the day over. And at the evening thou shalt say, would to God it were morning, for the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear. Now, yes, uh, the people of Israel have been driven into strange countries and maybe they had good reason to fear. 
but they're wishing their life away, as I said, I think it was only last week. <laughs> in the morning, they wish it at night. At night, they'll wish it at morning. And so the days go, hey, if you're fearful as they were, uh, wherewith they, they feared, it's not what God wants in our lives. He doesn't want this in our lives. Look, look at the Gospel of Matthew. <clears throat> and it tells us clearly in the book of Matthew, chapter 6 and verses 19 to the end of that chapter. Looking at verse 25 to start with. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What shall ye eat or what ye shall drink? For yet for, or yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment behold the fowls of the air they sow not neither do they reap <clears throat> nor the gather into barns yet your heavenly father feedeth them are ye not much better than they which of you by taking thought or worrying or fretting and fearing about things can add one cubit to his statue and why take ye thought for raiment consider the lilies of the field how they grow they toil not, neither do they spin. <clears throat> and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You see the problem here. Fear is a lack of faith. Fear is not trusting God. Fear is not taking hold of the promises of God. Fear is being overcome with the pain that we have, as we've looked at, or the problems that are coming, or the paranoia that we might have about what could happen that generally doesn't happen. It happened to Job, as we've read. But here, if God's done this, O ye of little faith, trust him. Take no thought, don't worry about. You say, it's easier said than done. Yeah, I know, I'm a human too. What shall we eat or what shall we drink? With what shall we be clothed? You know, there's sometimes we've got to that in the ministry. I remember way back early in the ministry, I think we only had uh, two, two of the girls, Louise and Sarah, and, um, you know, we, there was not a whole lot in the cupboards. <laughs> and I remember that the church bought us a, a um, clothes basket. I don't think he had one of them either. And... And they filled it with food. It was cans of this and cans of that and, and biscuits and things, and non-perishables, you might say. And, well, wow, you know, <laughs> this is a lot. And I look back and I think, wow, the Lord met our needs in little ways and he didn't fail us to have nothing to eat. I've never been without, never been without in this great country we live in. With what shall we be clothed? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Don't worry about these things. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Unsaved people, that's all they worry about. That's all they seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He gives you your needs and not your greeds. So many people get that confused. I want to knew this, I want to knew that. Hey, the old one gets you there. The food that's not top-notch, you know, for the Turak people will, will feed you and meet your physical needs. Your father knows that you have these needs and he will supply your needs. 
He supplied Elijah's need, didn't he, on that day? Water and food. Ravens brought him the food. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. These things will be added. Seek the spiritual things first, and these material things will be given to you of God in different and wonderful ways. Be therefore not anxious. Well, take no therefore no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And that could be put, don't be anxious about the things of tomorrow. For the things will take care, the Lord will take care of these things, sufficient unto the day of its own evil, it says in those verses. Trust in the Lord. Just over in Matthew 11, Matthew 11 and verse 28, we have these words, Come unto me, all ye that labour, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest in the Lord. Fear not, I am with thee always. The Lord said, Is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Trust in the Lord. All these circumstances, you know, there might be a third wave of this stuff, this uh, COVID thing. Well, the Lord got us through one, two, three, but we see what's developing from all this. Trust in the Lord. You know, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Don't be overcome by the circumstances and things that are around. Think on the Lord. He will provide. Don't be anxious. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it clearly instructs us and gives us a multitude of examples of the faith that we should have instead of the fear that can fill our hearts. In these days of uncertainty, in these days of turmoil and trouble, in these days of change where nothing is the same as it was yesterday almost, give us hearts of faith and let us be encouraged in the Lord and strengthened from him. And bless us as we go our way this week out into the workplace, out to fight the enemy where we are in our circumstances. Bless and minister to your people. Give them great opportunities to exercise their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.